We are I. Morning, Bridget. Or good afternoon. I guess always bad. We think like West Coast time. After remember, you're on the East Coast. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Really good. It's that time of year where you know, like it's just it's dark for like two hours before uh, or like after I get up. So so it always seems like your day is a little bit longer. But I just read something yesterday um, that we're supposed to have a fall that mirrors summer. So we're expected to have some really nice weather. Uh, coming up for the next oh. few months so yeah I'm really happy about that yeah me too I hadn't heard that so thanks yeah. <laughs> um, and again thank you for allowing me to be able to postpone this for for a couple of weeks and stuff but again I know you might have some questions feel free to answer them anytime about why but it did have to do with the uh, nationwide rally that was happening in Canada which there is pretty much zero coverage of down here yeah. And you know what, there's actually not a whole lot in Canada either. And, you know, like this is, this is the part that I actually have a really tough time with. Um, it's not, it's not only that there is no coverage of it. It's that even the misrepresentation of the, the little bit of coverage that was there now. So there's, there's a group that um, I guess for lack of a, a better analogy to say this, it's, it's representing frontline workers. Um, it specifically mm -hmm. has to do a lot with nursing staff. Um, but mm -hmm. again, like there's, there's an overwhelming groundswell across Canada of frontline workers who are protesting um, against like, you know, uh, vaccine passports, mandatory vaccines, you know, like all these um, issues. And so on the, what, what day was that? Um, well, the day that I did the postponement was about a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah. It was promoted for about a month before that at every hospital all across um, Canada, uh, everybody would meet and then they would march down to their collective city hall. So it's just kind of like a centralized meeting point. And it just so happens that our hospital here is only about like four blocks away from like our city hall. And then people marched into downtown um, after that. So the part, the, the reason why that I felt as though it's important for me to be there is not, I don't like the labeling. We've talked a lot about this, how labels kind of polarize people. And I feel like they, they steer us further apart than ever bringing us closer together. And it creates more um, disinterest in wanting to actually learn about the other side. So with this, the reason again for me that I felt it was important is, is it had nothing to do with whether or not that you support or you don't support vaccine passports or vaccines or masks or any of these protocols. It was simply just pro-choice. So mm -hmm. if people were willing to actually look at why this protest and these protests were accumulating and a lot of first responders all across Canada to say it's happened in Calgary, Alberta, it's happened in Toronto, a lot of other major cities, frontline workers are standing for an hour in protest um, in solidarity for their brothers and sisters on the front line all across Canada. And it's not to say that we don't believe in any of these things. It's just what we do believe in is pro-choice. Like people should have the fundamental choice because in BC on September 13th, uh, just a few days ago, 
um, like our mandates came in for the vaccine passports that, you know, you're allegedly not allowed to go to restaurants or gyms or any of these things, if unless you have like one dose of the vaccine. And then in October, um, it's two doses of the vaccine and you're not allowed in any of these spaces. And, um, and the businesses can be shut down. Now, the business community is, is severely divided amongst this because they're saying, again, it's only big business that can handle this. Like a, a lot of small businesses never going to be able to feel this storm because the people are divided. And again, it's, it's divided amongst the issue of just having the choice. Now, we're not talking about the science. We're not talking about misinformation or right information, correct or anything. It's just more that having the actual freedom of choice. And at this protest, the one thing that I, I love the most is that you've seen people who came together, one being vaccinated and one not, and having signs saying, we're pro-choice in a relationship. I'm vaccinated. This person's not. And we still successfully live together. This is how our society should be. And, hold, and lots of people holding up signs that I just want to choose and I'm here for love. I'm here for peace. You know, like I'm mm -hmm. here not to be told what to do with my life, you know, but the only signs that you did see that the was posted by any media companies was mm -hmm. like the ones that were, you know, like vaccines are the devil, you know, like just these like really like obscure ones. They weren't, they didn't portray the tone of what these rallies were actually for um, and what they were all about. And the police were there like right alongside everybody and monitoring all the activity. Um, you know, like cars were allowed to be able to go through um, ambulances and everything until the police blocked off the street. Um, once the police blocked off the street, then everybody moved into the street because there was no more cars. But then with the media and all across Twitter and social media, what people were saying is that, like cancer patients can get to their chemotherapy, you know, like all right. these things because of the yeah, protesters. Yeah, can't get through. And yeah. yeah, and really that was not the case at all. Like there was, everybody was just lining the sidewalks and the cars were free flowing through the street. Yes, they had to slow down, but it was only when the police shut the street down that and there was no traffic. However, there was still three ways to be able to get into the hospital just not one of the four ways. So like there was still plenty of traffic being able to get in and out. There was only one street blocked off for like four blocks. And so like, again, like, again, it's like the misrepresentation. And then, you know, you've seen all these articles by like, you know, Global News and the Vancouver Sun, like all these media outlets saying that you have these ultra right pro-Trump supporter anti-vaxxers. And it's like, no, like, like, that's not why, like, you can't, it's easy for you guys to paint this brush, because that's what you want it to be. But why not talk to people there? Like, they never interviewed one person at the protest. They just took pictures and wrote their own narrative. They didn't allow people to be able to, um, to be able to speak or to be able to have a voice. Like, there was no news helicopters around, you know, like, there was maybe just for a couple of minutes to get a quick couple of photos that there was any news companies actually there. There was no like CTV news truck, global news truck. There was no, there was no media presence in like in that kind of, so you can see how there's not even an interest to be able to show the support. And then what some of the um, narratives were too, is that there was hundreds of people who were protesting while standing there. I can tell you there's tens of thousands. 
And so to be able to make it seem like it's just these few crazy crackpot anti-vaxxer pro-Trump supporter people blocking cancer patients from getting their chemo, that right. became that became the narrative, which wasn't true. And then never mind, this was hosted at 15 cities all across Canada with hundreds of thousands of people, you know, attending all these different cities. And there's no coverage, no, no coverage of it all. And it was, it's mind boggling to me. And like this, these marched down some of those major streets in the middle of the week in Vancouver. And there was, there was no coverage of it all. Not even like traffic updates, you know, really saying that like this route is blocked from like these, it was like, it was a blackout on media. Um, So like that, those are the reasons why I was there because I just, I see so much misrepresentation and the part that concerns me the most is especially what happened after that. And then on, on September 13th was now you have people posting pictures of businesses and people saying, I'm never going to go here, boycott them because they're asking for a vaccine passport. And then the other camp is saying, you know, like, don't ever let these people in, you know, like we're pro, you know, vaccine passport, like the divide is huge. Like it is, it's created this hateful divide amongst people. And I don't really, I don't feel as though that it represents the mass at all because I see it. Like I talked to a lot of people, I put my boots on the ground. I was there. I could hear it. I could see it. I know what the people were saying. Like, it's not like you have all these conspiracy theory, you know, like conspiracy theorists just towing like this message like it's the Illuminati coming to get us like it wasn't that like you had artists musicians creating songs just about free will free choice you know like this is my body my choice you know like you had like that was the narrative and it's just it it really bothers me that that's allowed to happen today where you have these people again it's like the hippies of the 70s that they just they just want the choice to be able to live free. And then they get painted with this, this brush of you're just a detriment to society. So um, I know there's a lot Mm -hmm. to unpack there, but like, that's, that's what's going on here. And like, that's what really worries me is because it's like just the misrepresentation of the truth, like ever, like, I think the last six months has got exponentially worse than it did for like the first year of COVID you know, like, it's mm-hmm. just, it's got so bad now. And, you know, even people at the protest were saying, like, even if you want to believe what the WHO says, and you want to take it, just spoon feed it, like, right into your brain, which, again, like, why not? If that's what you want to do, fine. But if they're telling people not to get their second dose, and have a two-month moratorium on it, they've been saying this for months now. But in a province like BC in Canada, you're not even allowed to go to a restaurant until you get your second dose. So it's kind of like all of these things are just, there's, there's so much, there's so much to unpack in all of this in like our world. And it's just like, there's nothing bringing it closer together. I know there isn't here. You can, in light is there's anything in Saratoga Springs that's bringing people closer together. Um, there's, there's, <laughs> there's definitely not in, in Vancouver at all. Yeah. It's pretty bad. Yeah. What's it like there? Like, do you, are you guys seeing like any of the similar nature of things down there too? Or it's, it's, yeah, it's horrible. 
the, it's in the air that there's a lot of hate and disgust and distrust and it's palpable. And I don't think anyone's got clear mind or a settled nervous system anymore. It's, it's hard. It's hard. And regardless of, you know, there's definitely a fence regardless of which side of the fence you're on. I mean, you can be on the fence, meaning that you're, you're pro-choice, right? You're not saying one way or the other is better than the other. Um, but that's not the, that's not necessarily what people are focused on here from the people I've talked to. Yes, there is the sentiment that um, there should be the choice and that the government shouldn't be imposing vaccinations or um, restrictions on people because they're not vaccinated. Um, but there's also there, there are also people that are very anti-masking and don't want the kids to have to wear masks at school. And there are people that are pro mask. Um, and it's, it seems like people that fall into the choice category here are more aligned with not wearing masks and not vaccinating. And then there's the people that are very pro vaccination, where they're angry at people that haven't been vaccinated and blame them for the continuation of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we can get into the science behind all of that, but right now I'm just saying what I'm seeing, mm -hmm. you know, in the community. And so, yeah, everybody's very divided and um, hateful. And it's a whole other level, you know, there was all, there was, everyone was already divided from the Trump administration. That was a huge trigger for so many people, particularly the women I talked to. Because on a per cross of narcissist and a bully, and um, so he was like personally triggering both. And that emotional creel. And so the divide that started or that came to a head with, with his administration has just um, continued. It's, uh, are you, are you hearing me okay and seeing my picture? It looks like things froze up a little bit. Uh, it just got a little bit better, like right when you said that. It did get a little choppy there for about a, a minute or so. But uh, okay. I think it's, it's really easy to understand, like what you mean, if we can't hear it clearly, just like right, the, di yeah. the division and the mistrust. And, you know, like you said, I just think that we were so far down that path already anyway. And then it was like, this straw that broke the camel's back. And now there's an elephant standing on that camel is it mm -hmm. seems like where we're at, you know, like right now. And like you said, like, as soon as you said, you know, like when people who are vaccinated are blaming people who are unvaccinated, 
Like I actually, in Canada, that's government sponsored hate, you know, because the, like our, our government here, especially in BC is actually promoting that message. So like they're, they're creating this narrative like of hate and like the the thing is now like i know the one thing that a lot of people that i talk to say you know and i talk to like hundreds and hundreds of people like all of the time is that it's like i'm just tired of being lied to i'm tired of like waking up and for a week we believe this and then it's something different and then for a month we believe this and it's something different and then for six weeks we have to do this and it's something different and you know I think people are just so fed up with what they feel like is that they're being lied to because I know a lot of people here, they're saying, well, if I'm not vaccinated, why can't I wear a mask? Because before for a year, you told me that was fine. And up until now, you kept on also telling me that that was fine. But now you're telling me because I can't, I don't want to get a vaccine for my own individual choice. And in BC, there's a zero tolerance, even if you have an, um, an allergy, medical condition, severely compromised. Yep. So like there's a zero, zero tolerance from our government saying that no matter what your excuse is or why you can't get the vaccine, there's a zero tolerance. And, it's, and some people actually legitimately fall into that category. So they're saying, well, now you're going to tell me that I can't go to the gym and I can't go out for dinner and I can't go to my child's soccer game. And, you know, I can't do any of these things like, you know, know, so, uh, yeah. And, you know, like, and for all this time before, it's just like, wear a mask and wash your hands and we'll all be okay. You know, and, it, and it's, so when you get fed but, that, uh, mess- yeah, but nobody here was even half the population here wasn't believing even in the mask thing. And then you can't yeah. just like slap, you know, a piece of cloth over your mouth and think you're wearing a mask right? It has to be a certain kind. It has to fit a certain way. And so you're getting into all kinds of logistics that a lot of people, honestly, a huge percentage of the population are in such survival mode on a day-to-day basis. The last thing they can comprehend or uh, handle is putting the right mask on their face when they've never had to wear a mask before. So Which it's and, like, and again is a government sponsored message of just like wear a mask or put something on your face. Like, you know, right, again, they, like, that's why they're trying to like herd cats and they're, they're trying to do it in a way where they're like, okay, well, this is what we're going to do this time. Cause this isn't working. And this is, so maybe if they just came out with the science and the projections and updated those on a regular basis, instead of trying to manage the chaos and the most reasonable way possible for them from their perspective, then maybe yeah, from the beginning, and this is an airborne pathogen, which anybody watching was happening in a could, I mean, from my perspective, it was a no brainer from the footage I saw coming from people's cell phones that live there, that this thing is not just something you touch and then you put it in your mouth or your nose or your eyes, that it's, it's much more easily transmittable than that. So, cause so anyway, it's like, yeah, why, why wasn't that clear message 
given to everyone to begin with? Well, because they're trying not to make people panic. Well, because they don't want people to buy too many masks. I mean, that's just one example. And that's from the very start, right? And it's just, and the, like with, with here, with the CDC, like I was, I, you could see, I could see when a few months ago, the Center for Disease Control issued the statement that unvaccinated people could be like, woohoo, or I'm sorry, vaccinated people could do whatever they quote unquote wanted, not wear a mask, gather, hug their grandkids, whatever you want to say. Whereas if you were unvaccinated, you still had to wear a mask. Well, guess what? Everybody stopped wearing a mask. They did, they've never educated the public properly to begin with on the science behind everything and why they're doing it. And they've never, and they keep pushing this when we get back to normal, which is it, there is never what we had. That's an illusion. Whatever we're used to from before this happened is gone. And it's not only gone, you know, just because COVID's not gone yet, it's gone because we're also changed from this. And there is so much hatred and animosity and mistrust and the pot's been stirred to the point where it's just not going to settle back into any kind of, you know, romantic ideal of, you know, the fifties, it's just yeah. not happening. And so. And what we were doing before, was it healthy help? anyway? Sorry exactly. to cut you off, but let's like we shouldn't go no. back to it anyway. So let's talk about that. And let's talk about how, what we consider normal. Let's talk about some brain science. Let's talk about, you know, how people process things psychologically. Let's talk about the stages of grief that everyone's going through, whether you want to wear a mask or, or not, or are going to get vaccinated or not. Like in that sense, everybody is in somewhat, at least micro traumatized, unless you're like, you know, multi-trillionaire who's flying to the moon or some shit. It's like there, there's, everybody has got, has been affected in some way, shape or form for better or for worse. So some of some of the reactivity is is heightened lack of of stress tolerance. Mm -hmm. So it, induced by everything that's on the news, everything that's you know outside their door. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and yeah, and, and that's not what's being talked about, and it's unfortunate. Yeah. And, you know, and the thing is too, like, and, and I've heard like this argument beside it too, it's like, well, the government never knew that it was going to last this long. And it's like, you know what? I don't buy that for a second because I know out here, I remember last year before the kids went back to school, five months before they went back to school, they said that, you know, things were going to be back to normal. It's like, you could tell they had been planning like a half a year out and I know, I think we even talked about this on the podcast before. So it's like, they already knew what the entire school year was going to look like before, like before the one school year, like even ended, they are, they're already updating us on what's going through it. So mm -hmm. it's like, like you, you know what the rollout is going to be like, but the problem is, is when things like that happen and they seep and it's just like, that, that's another crack in the distress system. It's like, it's like, now I know another reason why you're not being honest. 
you know like there's just like this is another thing like you know in the groundswell now the people who are just saying you've treated us all like children and only allowed us to be able to know what we should know at a certain time because that's what's best for us instead of treating us like an like an adult in allowing us to be able to critically think and make our own decisions. And I think Fauci started that when he lied at the beginning about the masks, just so that the masks didn't run saying like, oh, masks aren't important. You know, oh, we just, and then it turns out like, oh, I only said that because we didn't want to run out of masks. And then all these emails get leaked like a year later showing what, how he actually felt about it. It's like, that was kind of the start. Of he knew, he of knew damn well that you needed to wear a mask. I don't think, as someone who's a representative of, he, he became a representative of the government that he would even have been allowed to come out and say, even if he wanted to, I don't think he'd have been, he'd have been gone in a, a hot second from the yeah. podium even, not just from his job. Yeah. If he said everyone needs to wear a mask, they'd have escorted him off the broadcast. So. At least I'm assuming they would have, or or they would have had an even more massive cleanup crew after that. So, um, but on yeah, top of that, people though, they like have you, not educated everyone. Yeah, and on top of that, you have a guy that now they you can play back in real time the footage of him lying to Congress, but he still hosts this job, and that you know he backdoored this um, funding for this gain of function research. You know, like he has countless companies that are profiting from you know like all of the you know like the vaccines the gain of function research and all of that kind of stuff going on but name a ceo of any company that would still be in the position of power to be able to run a company or give advice and information knowing that they've lied and they've been so dishonest but they would also be under investigation but this is the crazy part to me and this is where the public comes in it's like why is he not being investigated or the accountability behind it? Or why originally would he cite everything that the WHO is saying and then now go against what the WHO is saying? Like there's just so much, we're only talking about one individual who happens to have like been bestowed upon this platform that, you know, he's going to dictate what everybody does in an entire country. And then the trickle down effect to other countries like Canada after that fact. Well, the WHO initially was not giving accurate information either. Yeah, but that's and, what I mean. Uh, that it's all the layers of distrust and, the, and misinformation. Yeah, right. And if you're if you're not somebody with the science background, especially, then you probably couldn't. You, it probably, you probably wouldn't be inclined to really figure out that this wasn't going away in a year mm-hmm. or six months. Um, the, the current, from a, an article I read a few weeks ago, the current projection is before COVID becomes endemic, which means it's not going to be harmful to us for whatever reason, not any more harmful than the flu. Before that happens, it's another two or three years. Mm-hmm. And so, and the science basically, basically in order for it to be contained into a year or two, 
the entire population of the planet, or at least probably, this is just my guesstimate, 80 to 90% of the entire planet would have had to have been vaccinated. Yeah, all in a really short Last period of time. year. Right? Or at the beginning of this year. Yeah. That's the only way there would have been even a chance that it wouldn't have spread. The other way is 80 to 90% of a population of a country and their borders were completely closed. No exceptions. Well, that's even- it. But then, then you get into like, you know, like the CDC's problem behind all this, where it's like when COVID was, they wanted the numbers to be high for whatever reason, they were counting all deaths. And then what was it, two months ago, they changed it to be able to exclude, you know, a lot of the comorbidities for um, COVID deaths. And it dramatically dropped the COVID death rate, which was hugely controversial that the CDC did that. The CDC in BC, I know because I track it all the time, at the very beginning of all this, within the first month or two, they were saying like, you know, it took SARS, you know, I think it was four years or five years, they said to kind of get to a point where like the levels were, you know, watered down enough for like it wasn't concerned. But they said like, even today, there's still SARS, which before we was like, we were very worried about. They're like, this isn't going away. But the one thing the CDC out here is loudly saying to nobody listening is they're like, no matter what we've done in BC, our hospitalization rate has just skidded across the bottom of the graph, no matter how much like our, um, you know, like our cases have gone up and down when we've had masks and didn't masks, when we were vaccinated versus not vaccinated, you know, restrictions versus no restrictions, summer versus fall, like it's never changed our hospitalization rate in BC to a significant enough amount of like a point of real actual concern. But when you focus strictly on just like the, the numbers of people who test positive, well, yeah, you have these huge fluctuations, you know? So, but like, that's why a lot of these frontline workers that I talked to at this rally were just like, yes, like we've been busy. Like there's no doubt about that. And there's no doubt that there's this underlying like, real anxiety anxious like state that like one day you're going to show up at work it's going to be like the zombie apocalypse but they're just like they're like we've dealt with this kind of stuff like four years now like we're only going on by like what happened versus the restrictions that came in versus all these kind of things but they were just saying like strictly like you know when you look at how many people typically came to the hospital for other things and now they're coming for this well you're getting a lot of people who are running to you know, doctor's offices and hospitals who are just thinking they have these symptoms multiple times, three, four, five, six times, and they've never had any of it. Like, I know, like, my children, like, my middle child, just because of school's been affected, worse, she had to get a COVID test nine times last yeah. year during the school yeah. year. And it's like, that's the kind of stuff that just feeds numbers into the algorithm that just, where you get these wildly distorted, and like, sometimes the other child would have not have been even at school, but because of the regulations, all the other kids in the class had to get tested, even though this child was never even mm-hmm. at school. So they were getting tested for, for no reason. So it's just like, right. you know, then you get into the false positives and, you know, like you just see like all this information where it's like this, it's like this soup of just everything that's been thrown into your fridge, into this pot. And it's just getting served around and, 
some of it was fresh and some of it was rotten and some of it doesn't taste good with other stuff. And you just hope by the end it's palatable for everybody. Mm. <laughs> so that's where we're at. Um, so again, this kind of ended up into being a little bit of an interesting part here at the beginning, but let's get into the tattoos. Because again, this is kind of, it, it's all relevant kind of by the end of this of what my mind was thinking going into this. Um, and again, the reason why I said to you that I wanted to kind of discuss some of these topics today was because I feel everything that we just talked about is a massive representation of like how just disconnected we are with ourselves mm -hmm. and what health looks like, what healthy means, what healthy visually, physically feels like just like everything to do with like a person being healthy. How I got onto this topic is a few weeks ago, I did a podcast with a, a biohacking expert. And as I was talking to her, I'm like, we do a lot of the same stuff, you know, I'm like ice baths, saunas, you know, like workout, eat healthy, be outside, vitamin D, like all of these things. But then I realized I'm like, it's only because we're so lazy and trap ourselves inside. And then I was like, wow, I'm like, that is like everything that was a government sponsored message for COVID was like, do nothing and stay inside. And all these biohacks that people are, you know, doing these days are simply just because you have no hormetic effect of being outside because nobody's like outside in the elements, you know, like, like very few people have physically taxing jobs. So yeah, you do have to go to the gym, you know, like very few people have an immediate goal to work towards because they'll just keep on surviving down this road. Like there's no, well, if I don't nurture this plant, I'm not going to have potatoes, you know, or if, uh, you know, I don't nurture this animal, I'm not going to have eggs. You know, like there's just, there's all of these things where we get great physiological rewards from that we have to go so far out of our way to do now because of just how our lives are living. And when I was reading this part in your first book, I was like, all of these things are so nourishing to aspects of our life, you know, and we're missing out on so much of it. And it's so arduous to think that on top of my every day, I have to go do all of this other stuff to try to feel healthy and whole and balanced as a person. And it's like, well, yeah, because we're just not outside doing things anymore. You know, mm -hmm. like we did with like, sometimes you might even have to drive like a half an hour or to an hour to actually even really kind of get outside because you're still inside that heavily urbanized environment or, you know, like just like all these environments. So I'm sure you can see where I'm going this. Why don't you break down the, the tattoos for us and we can kind of talk about like how some of these elements of today in our, you know, still amongst COVID world, you know, are affecting, you know, some of these tattoos. Okay, so the Datus are, um, Datu is a type in Ayurvedic medicine. Mm -hmm. And there are many Datus. There is Rasa Datu, which is considered the plasma and fluids in the body. It's the yin in Chinese medicine is very much like Rasa. Um, there's Raktadatu, which is the blood. There's Mamsa Datu, which is the muscle. 
There's metadata, which is the fat or adipose tissue. There's osteodatu, which is the bone tissue. There's majadatu, which is the bone marrow and nervous tissue, the brain. And there is, uh, um, oh my God, I just <laughs> blanked on with the that. Male, male, female, male, female. Yeah, Shukra uh, Artava. Yeah, yeah Shukra Artava. Um, that's the male and female reproductive tissue. So the sperm and the ovum. Mm -hmm. And so those are the tissue types. And in order to be well nourished, there needs to be the right nutrition moving into the tissue types or else a tissue will be uh, depleted or malnourished. Um, and so from an Ayurvedic perspective, what happens when you eat is that you're taking in your food and your drink and rasa datu is the first tissue that it enters. So, you know, once things get processed in the stomach, they, even in the mouth, get stuff, start, the starches start to get broken down. So, um, things start to get into the, the fluid aspect of your body, the rasa, the tissue. And the rasa takes what it needs from that nutrition that's coming in and nourishes itself. And what it doesn't need goes on to the next deeper tissue layer, which is the rakta or the blood. And the blood takes what it needs for nourishment. Different tissues need different things in different amounts. <clears throat> and then it goes on and on like that through to the sperm and ova. And what is left from that becomes this essence that helps to purify the quality of the mind and is related to our personal longevity. So if, if for some reason the body is not being nourished well, then we will lack longevity and we'll lack a real solid ability to feel our own inner center our own peace our own calm um a sense of well-being a sense of clarity um and to use the intellect properly to be able to connect with our wisdom body and access our our inner wisdom and make decisions according to that so you know like you said earlier on the mind and body are not separate even the food that comes into the body is not separate from the mind and then the emotions and then our spiritual selves or our ability to connect with our spiritual selves. And so um, the other way that the body can be nourished is that when the nutrition comes in, it gets broken down enough to enter the plasma. 
the different tissues, like the nutrition kind of spreads and the tissue types kind of pick what they need when they get it. Either way, the quality of the, of the digestive capacity of the organism is directly related to the quality of their ability to think clearly and discern clearly and perceive clearly. What happens in our body if like, if we have a really poor quality, like plasma or just like the, our plasma is not as good as what it could be, or like as strong as what it should be, or like, like what, what is the effects that we are going to feel? Or like, what are some of the things that are going on in our mind, in our body, when our plasma levels are askew? Well, you'll tend to be more agitated, um, more prone to coming down with colds or flus, potentially someone who has bad allergies. Um, you probably won't sleep very well. Your mind will probably race. Um, those are some of the things that would happen. Yeah, what are some of the things that we can do from a, a nutrition perspective that like help raise the quality of our plasma? By having, reg it's a lot of it has to do with choices. So having regularity and, and it's what I keep going back to with a lot of, you know, with a lot of these teachings, we go back to having a simple lifestyle that is organized and plans. The body is like an animal. It's part of the animal kingdom. So it gets used to routine. So having regular routines and feeding it on a regular routine, on a regular schedule, not overfeeding it, not underfeeding it. Um, eating foods that, are, that match the capacity of the digestion of the individual and preserving that digestive capacity by eating foods that are easy to digest. Yeah, it's, you know, it's one of those things, you know, that I, when you say like routine and like consistency and like this consistent eating, it's the, when we talk about like diet and nutrition, the one thing that I've started to think, and this is like very recently within the last month or so, is that I feel like we, especially in the West, bring such anxiety <clears throat> into our body, into our mind, into our food, by the way that we perceive it, because there's so many negative ways to look at food now, if you ch so choose to, it's like the, well, is this processed? Is it not processed? Is this healthy for me? Is it not healthy for me? Is it ketogenic carnivore or vegan or, you know, like, you know, any one of the diets, like, you know, am I eating frequently enough? Like, have I drank enough water? Like, like is the one thing I've really started to, to pay attention to is we're really anxious around food. Food. I don't know if you see that or you can understand like what I'm getting at by that, mm -hmm. but like, like people don't have this base. And I feel like we did in the very recent past where it was like food. You didn't really think about that much because there was just food. There was not a lot that there was not, you know, 10 different diets that you should or shouldn't be on. You know, there's not like, you know, this out of season food that you could be eating. You know, like there's not like, yeah. all this processed food you have to decide like 
you know, if, if I'm eating this ketogenic snack, is it even ketogenic or is it just some company called ketogenic and there's tons of sugar in it too? Like, like there's just, there's so much confusion in what do you think it does to us when we carry such anxiety around eating into our bodies when we, we do that so frequently? Because there's a lot of things that human beings do very frequently that they get very anxious about, you know, um, am I successful enough? Am I a good parent? Am I sleeping enough? Am I eating good quality? It's like we are riddling ourselves with anxiety, like in front lines. And I think, and to me, I've started to try to pay more attention. And this is from advice from you is like, what are you doing around consuming a meal? And this all started from a podcast we did a number of them ago when you said like, you know, driving while eating is like something that like you just a very big, you know, like you should try to steer away from ha ha ha, mm-hmm. um, you know, but it's, uh, but it's one of those things where like, yes, like, like panic eating, you're not eating mm-hmm. fast enough. You're not eating enough. You're not eating the right things. Like, what does this do to our mind and our body when we just, we riddle ourselves with something that should be such a, a very wholesome experience for us? Well, one thing that happens is that the more you do it, the more habitual it becomes, and then it becomes your way, right? So then you're always anxious around it. And anxiety, what does it do to the body? Well, to the body, from the studies on stress, we know at least that much information. It can increase inflammation. It can disrupt the vagus nerve stimulation. It can do lots of things. It, and, and in addition to that, it alters the gut microbiome. There's, there's nothing that we do that doesn't alter us physically or mentally. What I mean by that is if we're doing something physically, it's going to affect our mental and emotional state and vice versa. If we're doing something mentally and emotionally, no matter how subtle or unconscious, it's going to affect us physically. And it may not show up in your routine blood work, but eventually it's gonna catch up with you. And eventually it's going to manifest because we, we just can't, you can only do things so long before you start to feel the effects of it, whether it is mental and emotional or whether it's physical. In Eastern medical traditions, there there or sciences, I should say, there is no difference, differentiation between the mind and the body. You cannot think a thought or have a feeling without it secreting some kind of chemical that has a physiological effect on your physical body because you wouldn't feel the emotion associated with that thought if, it, if that wasn't happening. There has to be a physical component inside your body that that's causing actually experience a feeling or a sensation. Even if you just touch your skin, that's affecting your, your physical. There's all kinds of messages going there and cells are responding. So we have to get away from this thinking that the physical and the mental and emotional are separate entities. And what's happening right now in our societies is making 
everyone more vata deranged, which means it's aggravating the nervous system. And that may manifest in the, that you have a million people that's going to manifest in a million different ways, but it's still going to affect that person. And so it doesn't matter what your personal beliefs are, as long as someone is engaging in chronic anger, fear, or sadness, or worry, they're going to be hurting themselves. As long as somebody is pissed off at someone else on a regular, repetitive, habitual basis, it's going to have an imprint on the physical body, whether it's the way your brain is wired or how irritated and and, and, uh, hot your liver gets. So, and we know this, there are scientific studies about stress, but we just, we still have this kind of divide in our thinking, I think, as a society that the, that there are different pieces of ourselves. And to some extent, yeah, we piece things out, but they're all part of the whole. And one is not independent of all the rest. So, um, so yeah, I hope that answers your yeah. question. Yeah, well, and it does. And then obviously, like the way my brain works spurs on it a thousand more. But like, so when you say it, like the, <laughs> the, like the kind of like the mind, body, the soul connection, the, I seen this great illustration once where it was just this circle. And then it had three floating circles around inside of it. And it was basically like, no matter how you like, just kind of shake that bigger circle a little bit, all three of those circles are overlapping to some extent, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it depends on how they are. And like, that's the way to be able to look at the mind, body, and the spirit, depending on where we are at in our day or week, a month, a year, our life is how much overlap of which one of those categories that they are, but they're always overlapping to some extent. And I thought it was just a great yeah. illustration to very simply be able to put that. My question so, that, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. Something that I think would be helpful, uh, just another way to, to look at it is um, in my meditation class on Monday, I was teaching about this Buddhist practice of integrating body, speech, and mind. And that ideally, that's what we want to be doing. We, we want to integrate body, speech, and mind, because the body, as we know, is the physical body and the energy system in the body, the prana, the chi, the vitality, the electromagnetics and uh, radiation and all of that. The speech is not just what we say, but being truthful and from our heart with what we say, speaking our truth, not holding it back, not covering it up, but it's also our actions. What are we, what are, do our behaviors reflect what I'm actually feeling in my body? And the mind is then aligning so that the mind is aligned with the speech and the activities and the decisions that we make. Um, And it's listening to the body so that it can make more informed decisions on what's best for that particular person. And when those things are all aligned, 
then it's like that's our like starting place for really being centered, being whole, and being able to truly and fully experience life and perceive reality in a wise and compassionate way. So that's that's what we were talking about in the meditation class on Monday, but it pertains to what we're talking about here too, because those things are not different. How often do we make them different? How often do we not speak our truth or tell a white lie or not be clear with what we're feeling with, with someone else or with ourselves? And how often do we deny what our emotions actually are or what the sensation is that's arising in our body? to a certain situation or it can be an ache or a pain or every time I eat chocolate, I get heartburn. So that's an example of something. I'm not saying every time I eat chocolate, I get yeah. <laughs> God forbid yeah. that. Ever no, doubt, but, no doubt. You know, no doubt. like that's one, that's just an example, like of things that will do, will habitually eat the chocolate, eat the chocolate, eat the chocolate, and then go take tons and not even realize till two years later. Oh, wait a minute. I, that's good. So it's like, how often do we not integrate body, speech, and mind? And, and it affects one affects all of the others. If we lie, we feel it, right? If we lie to ourselves, we feel it. We're not allowed it's not the way nature works for you to, to lie to yourself and then be able to be completely open and experience life in all its glory, right? There's always yeah. going to be some kind of a stagnation in the energy body that happens that protects you from being able to do that because there's not full trust there, even with yourself. So there's all of these things. It's very simple. Try to live where you integrate body, speech, and mind. Try to live where you're minding your body, your mind, your emotions, and your spirit. Like how there, there should not be for most like middle-class educated people that have people that have the means there shouldn't anymore be this, Thing where the mind and the body are separate like come to recognize where we we put in place survival mechanisms and then heal that right come to recognize what we're doing on a daily basis in response to our fellow human beings come to recognize what we do on a daily basis to ourselves are we being self-compassionate um there, there, we have an opportunity as people in this kind of cast in a way, unfortunately, that's sort of what it is to be able to really look at these things and, and to not create more division within ourselves and not create more division in, in our relationships with others either. See it. And it, so I always believe that everything is always done and said for a specific reason. And I really feel like everything that you just finished explaining is everything that we talked about at the beginning, where like people have this feeling growing inside them. They're just like, I don't think that 
what I'm being told is the truth or it's not being laid out for me probably. And we know this, like, I feel like people feel it, but this again is to me the problem. It's like when we're told all the time in many different categories that no, no, I have your best interest in mind. When you feel like that, that's not right. That's systematically mm-hmm. telling people to distrust their intuition and not listen to their body, mind, yeah. and spirit, where yeah. we know, we innately know when things are right and when things are wrong. And I think yeah. that's where we are at right now, where people are just like, wait a minute, there's something inside me that's saying something's not quite right here. And I've been suppressing it for 18 months and now I can't do it any longer. I just wish it didn't take such extreme examples to get there. Like for me, like this comes back to everything. It's like, why do you have to hire somebody to tell you to go for a walk? You're not listening to the person inside. Like every part of your physiology is telling you to go outside, even if you just sit there, but your, your body, your mind, your spirit want you to walk. When you walk, you will keep on walking, you know, like, good quality food, you know, like you want that your body feels better, your mind feels better. You operate better as a human being when you have these good quality nutrients coming in. You can't tell me that you think like eating Burger King for the 400th time this year is okay. You know, like, like, I don't, I don't believe that. And I always say, I don't want humanity to be, to be this stupid. Like, I don't like, I don't want people to say yeah, you know, where it's just like, like I, I'm like, I believe in people so like, much you know. more than that. But you can see the fight back and forth where we are inundated with this, like, no, 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 I have your best interest in mind. Just listen to me and everything will be okay. Yeah, but it's not just about that. It's about before COVID even. This is, no, this yeah. is a sticking point. And that's and, what I mean, you, you know, know, right? Where it's like the don't, don't go shopping for yourself come eat at McDonald's because I'm, I have your best interest in mind. I can make it faster, cheaper, and easier for you. That's what I mean. Like it's been a systemic problem way before we're just getting to a very, like very explosive head of this extreme categorization that, but again, when you have like over 30% of people in America have diabetes and like another 30% almost are pre-diabetic, people don't connect with that kind of stuff. Like it doesn't mean anything to them, but it's like that's, that, that to me right. is the problem. That's been going it, on for generations. Well, that's part of the problem with COVID too. Because mm-hmm. people aren't seeing how sick people are getting. Mm-hmm. The vast majority of people have not seen how sick somebody else is getting. They might find out their relative is in the hospital or they might talk to somebody on the phone and be like, geez, but then the person gets better. And then like, like childbirth, we forget, move on. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, so it's the, that's, that's part of the whole thing with, with everything. And so like from a yogic perspective and a, and, and uh, like a Buddhist perspective, there's this concept of samsara. There's this concept of life, being illusory and 
so like I had a conversation with a yoga teacher last week and she was like, yeah, we are, this is samsara and all of the feelings of grief and anger and fear and mistrust and the clarity that has come with this for those of us who do have more respect for others' ability to be able to get past themselves and listen to themselves, that that's actually not gonna happen um, for a lot of people. The clarity that, you know, that that's not gonna happen, that's all part of samsara, like we can't change that. Samsara is the polarity. The samsara is the, the, it's the, it's the, just the crap that plays out on a daily basis. It's the drama, it's the miscommunications, it's the preconceived notions, the expectations we all have. It's, it's all of that. And, and it's glaringly in our faces right now in a way that we, we as a Western society have not experienced in our lifetimes. And so from a yogic perspective, or, you know, a Buddhist perspective, one is working on themselves so that they can integrate body, speech, and mind, so that they can integrate mental and emotional with the physical, because you don't have mental and emotional without the physical. There's this, there's this preconceived kind of notion and belief that we've had throughout the millennia that the body is bad, right? And that feeds into this problem that we're discussing. And that's even been a problem in, in the yogic teachings that the body is bad and that we need to transcend it or overcome it. But instead, the deeper teaching is that there's, there's, a, there's a, um, uh, a limitation to the physical body and in that we need to work you know, within those limitations to an extent and be okay with that and to develop non-attachment and non-aversion. It doesn't mean that you're disassociating. It means that you're not getting hooked into everyone else's anger and fear and that you learn what your own anger and fear is because that's the hook is the resonance between someone else's and your own and it triggers our own a thought can trigger on. So that's, that's what the yogic practices and meditation and self-cultivation practices are about is allowing that crap to come to the surface. So meditation is not always blissful and enjoyable. Meditation is sometimes very difficult because we become aware of things that we don't necessarily enjoy about ourselves. And, and then we are able to create, to gain more clarity from those insights and to move forward and make better decisions for ourselves based on that information. Um, and so part of, part of this whole thing that, that like you just said about, you know, you want something better for other people because you realize they have that potential um, is part of samsara. Like it's, it's more like they're more snagged in the samsara in that sense than you are. You're only as snagged as you get upset about it, you know? And so that's, 
it's just, it's very tricky. It's, it's, um, so I, my perspective, the way that I'm coming at what's happening in the world right now and the way I've come at that, even like through the medicine practice it, before, you know, COVID happened is that, you know, there is this element to reality that's sort of underlying all of the drama and that there's like a, a piece there and a stability and a, and a spaciousness. And so that's what I've always tried to connect with because whether it's, you know, some kind of political debate or it's somebody coming in with an illness and, you know, I, I, I don't want anybody to be suffering. And, and so whatever it is, there's always that practice to, to ground and to be in your body and experience what you're really experiencing and connect with your own inner spaciousness so that the space can be held for that person who's coming in the door. But it shouldn't just be confined to practitioners to have access to that aspect of themselves. And so that's what I teach in the meditation classes. And that's what I think we all could benefit from having a little piece of because by connecting with that inner spaciousness, by recognizing the, the importance of the integration of body, speech, and mind, then we're able to see the truth in what's being fed to the masses through the media. We're able to make better choices about our lifestyle and what we put in our mouths and how, and if we're going to get anxious about it or not. You see, so for me, it kind of, all of it kind of comes back to that and comes back to the individual and how important it is for us as individuals to be centered and be in our own truth and to do the best that we can um, to stay that way and to recognize when we're triggered and to bring ourselves back a little bit faster from our reactivity. Um, yeah, the, the one thing that I appreciate you, about you so much, and I love this, and it's funny because I actually thought about this right before we started recording this podcast, is that you ruthlessly always come back to exactly the same point. Like in all the time that I've known you and all the times that we've talked and we've shared ideas, you always come back down to just the individual level. Like it's that nevers, that never wavers. And we, I, these are the things that I, one of the things I think we're missing in our culture today is just like this unwavering stability and this foundation to thought. Like it's like, you know, you always say like, whenever we talk about the world in disarray, I'm like, Bridget, the motherfucking world is in disarray. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, like, it doesn't matter what the world is doing. Just what are you doing? And I'm like, I know that, but, I'm, but you know what I mean? But it's like, you've always, <laughs> but, but, but. <laughs> yeah. And you always come back to like that point. And like, that's such a gift that you offer so many people is that it's like, yes, all of this stuff is going on. Absolutely. But it's like, we still have the responsibility as individuals to be able to make these choices, you know, and, and like, this is the thing that I say to people. It's like, yes, these, these choices are very simple fundamentally, but we've made them very hard and 
this is actually one of the things I have in my my notes that I wanted to talk about today. Is, it's like it's because we've become so advanced as a species. Like things like this have become like a little bit harder. Where it's like, no, I don't think that somebody in Coaldale, Alberta, this tiny little farming town in southern Alberta, right by my farm where I grew up, should be listening to the advice on the news that a governor of New York is giving for COVID protocols. Like it's not even remotely the same. Like, like fundamentally, like there's this element that's the same. But the protocols in those two places are so abstractly different. Mm -hmm. Like they, they're they're not even going like the people in cold are spending 90% of their time on sites, like they're majority farmers. So, you know, mm -hmm. like they're alone, they have like a huge benefit on their side versus people being stacked on top of themselves in New York City. Like, like right. we did, like, but this is a problem, like where I feel like because we've become so advanced and there's no way that we can adapt to the amount of change that happens as frequently as it changes in so many different areas like you have to think like technological advancement used to have in a, in a very singular mono category and it really had probably more to do with just like how are we going to get more food because shelter is pretty much already really established clothing was kind of established but we always needed more food. Like once you built like a shelter, you could move the shelter, but you had this shelter. Once you made these clothes, you had these clothes, you know, but you had to go get food every day. So like, that's where our advancement came in. But like, now there's just, there's so much that inundates us. Like you can see like how bringing ourselves back to the most simplest level of us, how it can seem so overwhelming to people. But again, it's like what you would say, like, you know, when we listen to our intuition, when we know and we simply say, I'm going to take my own step back. Like I can either take a step forward because my dad's the prime example. And this is why I have a very tough time talking about him with things that are very out there in the news right now or just in general. And I remember this conversation about like six, eight months ago, him and I had in it was something to do with in Florida or something along those lines. And he's like, I can't believe the decisions this what's going on in Florida right now. Their cases are going to skyrocket and people are going to die. And I'm like, are you going to Florida? And he's like, no. I'm like, do you live in Florida? And he's like, no. And I'm like, do we have family in Florida? And he's like, no. I'm like, do we have friends in Florida? And he's like, no. I'm like, why do you care what's happening in Florida? Like, but again, like you're like, we're getting hooked into like this, this information, we become these information junkies of information that has little to no bearing on us, like at all, you know, and where if we got down to this more micro level, even in this situation now, where it's like, my mayor of this city of Langley that I live in, should be responsible for what happens. Like, I don't think that, you know, like our premier in you know, BC or our prime minister in Canada can make a decision of what affects people in Langley because we are very much different, you know, versus somebody mm -hmm. or a community in Hope, which is this small little town in the mountains that people drive through and may stop and get gas at. You know, like when we bring it down to smaller, more micro levels, like things just are so much easier. And it's so much easier to be able to connect with those concepts of like, What's going on in your mind? What's going on in your body? What's going on in your soul? Like, like, let's listen, let's feel, and let's understand 
And the best part about that is, is that's where I always find the best connection with people. Because essentially it's the same thing that you and I've done. You know, where like we've brought our big world, like there's no reason why that Blake and Langley, BC on the West Coast of Canada should be talking to Bridget on the East Coast of the United States. But we've brought, we've made our big world very small. You know, and now we're conversing, like you were literally sitting in this room with me, you know, but like we've made our community small. So it makes our connection so much better. Because like, like I always tell you, like, I just, like, I love chatting with you. I really look forward to it. It's like one of the highlights of my month that I can bank on me. Like, I know this is going to happen. I get excited about it. I know the conversation is going to be great. And I know that that completely changes my day before, my day today, and my day after. Because these are things that, like you've stated many times, it's simply touching your skin. You have this, you know, um, hormone release. We have these different chemicals that get released into our body. It's like the same thing happens when I'm looking forward to this conversation, having this conversation. And then the conversations I'm going to have with people after this, because they all love the conversations that we get into after you and I talk, and then they go listen to like our podcast after we chat. And they, it's kind of spawns this out of the world, but it's because the community is small and it's connected. Mm-hmm. And this is where I always find like the best wish. And it's why I love going into the backcountry with people. And we go on these camping trips and, you know, like this weekend, I'm going on for a couple of nights in the backcountry, and I just can't wait. I'm just going with another young man. He's one of my, one of my really good friends, his son. Um, he's like an adult now he's in his twenties and stuff, but he's, um, but it's, I can't wait for that because there's nothing like, it's just, him and I like there's there's no other opportunity but to be able to listen to I who I am listen to he is build a deeper connection build more of an appreciation for the environment around us because things just become a lot easier and a lot more simple and not as convoluted um Mm. do you do you feel that same way like our our world has just become Mm -hmm. so big and we individually want to be a a major role in this big world. Like I want to know about things that are going on in Israel and, you know, mm-hmm. Palestine. And mm-hmm. I want to know what's going on in Los Angeles. And I want to know the latest Wuhan news and, you know, and going on in the WHO. Like I want to know it all. And I want to be important in that. And I want to be recognized that I'm important. It's like, but like we can be so much more simple. Like things can be so much easier mm-hmm. than that. Mm-hmm. So, that's my, yeah, that's I my agree. rent. Yeah. I like where? Agree. And there was one point that I wanted to make about um, listening to our intuition is that sometimes it's difficult to discern intuition from our instinct. And I talk about this in the microbiome book that some things we learn become instinctual but they may not always be factual. They may be behaviors that, and and reactions to certain stimuli that we incorporate into our being um, as a survival mechanism. And so when when someone's doing a self-cultivation practice or tuning into their intuition, it's important to recognize in, in that and even question that. Like there's a saying, if you see the Buddha on the road, 
strike him down or whatever. It means like to continue to question, even if you, if you think that you're at the answer, like make sure check in with yourself. Well, is there fear behind this? Is there, you know, some other thing behind this? Is this really the truth? And I think that's a huge um, thing that, that humanity needs to begin to do is, is to question even their own reactions that seem so real and tangible and true, question whether it's actually true or not, you know, or am I emotionally responding to something out of habit or, you know, something I learned that I don't even remember what it was or why. And that's, that's kind of something that I feel like I've always done. I've always been interested in philosophy and I took a lot of philosophy courses in college. And I think that that's really important is for us to really question what our motivations are and question um, whether or not we're listening to our intuition or our instinct. And if our instinct is in fact correct, because the two can get very mistaken for one another. So I just wanted to make that clarification yeah absolutely and, and these are the things too where like like people get so caught up into like the excitement of being right or the excitement of knowing more than what they actually know and there's that great saying that you know I always try to really remind myself of but then I always look at life through this lens too is the the more that people think they know the less they actually know, you know, and it's, it's like when you're allowed, I always look at it from the expression of being like, are you open-minded or not? Like if I, if mm. I say, you know, like, Hey, there's also this, like what you just said, cause then I'm like, Oh, that's actually a great, like that makes me stop and think, you know, but if I'm like, no, Bridget, I know that it's the intuition. And you're just like, no, Blake, you actually don't know what you think, you know, because there's this other element you haven't thought of. But so many people are just so excited about being the person that's like, no, I'm the end point of this information. And the buck stops here with me. That they're not willing to be able to entertain that. And that's the one greatest gift of all these podcasts too, is it's like, I'm like, oh, I'm like, I've actually never thought about that. Nor has anybody I've ever talked to ever phrased it like that. But that is great because I often think, when am I making decisions based on instinctual behavior that's not relevant today? And this is always where like I have right. a, an interesting juxtaposition in my life. And I talk about this with a lot of other males where because a lot of the males that I'm around in my day are like, if, if there was a, a, like an old like medieval war where like there's guys on horses with swords you can barely carry and all this metal armor. If that was happening, I know probably 30 guys that I could be like, we're finally here. You know, and because like you just they're like you watch all those movies and you're like, and you just you know you're that guy that just rides faster on his horse because you just want to get into like, but like, and I don't know what makes me feel that way. Like I right. then I go stand on like a 20 foot high wall and I'm like, ah! you know so I'm not like an adrenaline junkie but I can't right. deny that there's something that's like 
I don't even think about the sacrifice. I, I, I don't think about my kids. I don't think about my family. I don't think about eating. I don't think about dying. I'm just like, put me on the horse. The end. But I, that's not an instinct that's relevant to me today. It might've been relevant for a long period of time, but it's sure not relevant at all. But I also know a ton of guys, if they're being honest, feel that same way. And when they're telling that story, they all have their version of that story and the authenticity of the energy coming off their body. You know that it's pure. I'm like, well, like, what do you even do with that? But it, but in this is where I feel like that, especially for like us as men, there's been like this really big failure in life of being like, well, what do you do with those kind of like emotions or those feelings? Because like before I could see why somebody would hop on a motorbike and just like 200 kilometers an hour down the road, just fine because they're just like is that gonna fill it okay well no that didn't do it you know it's like okay well i'm gonna go you know this this and this and but like just nothing ever really feeds like that part and really being around other people who just feel and understand that same way actually nurtures that a lot more than doing any of the activities that you can think of that might help fulfill that that Mm -hmm. that nature inside of you and Mm -hmm. i'm like I wonder how many other things and situations are going on in life with men and women where we don't recognize that, but I think it's really relevant because again, we're all so different. Like there's always the person who rides in first on the horse. There's the person who took care of the horses. There's the person who made the saddle. There's the person who made the sword. There's the person who fed the army. Like, and are a lot of people missing? Like, what are the things that we're feeling inside of us that are just instinctual that we're trying to put a literal component to in today's times? But we've evolved so fast, we haven't been able to catch up to like an instinctual behavior today. Because like, I would think, you know, and again, correct me if I'm wrong based on like what you think is that before there was probably a lot more if we look at now intuition instinctual being 50 50 you know before i might think that it's like 80 percent you know intuition 20 percent instinctual because they're just there wasn't as much and we were more connected because we had evolved very slowly at the same time so your intuition and your instinct i think would stay more like you know in the instinctual category or the uh, intuition category because you were you could feel what was going on in real time and react to it but like now it's like, I think that you have these two divided categories because it's like, I have these, these instinctual thoughts and behaviors that aren't going to be relative to the situation I'm trying to apply it to today. And again, like, you know, tell me what you, I might be yeah. on my crackpot theories right now, but it's like, <laughs> but I just, I know a lot of guys who do it. I know like a, a lot of guys who have race cars and motorbikes and stunt planes and, you know, have slept with countless women and you know like do all these like base jump and do all these crazy things and I know why they're doing it I'm like I get that because I'm like I understand why you're feeling the way you're feeling but like again like what do we do with that is like the existential question so yeah do you think that there's a, a transfer for women like do you think that women or have like instincts inside of them that aren't being nurtured in today's society that women are misrepresenting um, through different actions that they take? I think that we're all, um, 
well, I can't say all, but a large portion of us have a tendency to tamp down our creativity and opportunity to uh, care for ourselves and have more fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and again, too, like when you say that is because like women traditionally were a lot more the facilitators of education, like the health and wealth of like the collective group. And this had a lot more like freedom with inside of that because like men were off way over here doing these kind of things. But like, I know in a lot of cultures, like women were held in very high regard because like it was known that they were responsible for educating the next, um, the next generation of people coming up. So like, I would assume with that quote-unquote prestige of that role, that there would also be like a lot of freedoms to be able to create and nurture you know, like that side, because you're responsible for new ideas and creativity and like the plan of the whole tribe, the whole community. Well, and the other thing is that women have not in every culture, but in ours been oppressed, mm -hmm. even if it's subtle. Um, and, you know, we're definitely women I think maybe, I mean, I hadn't thought of this before, but maybe because of that, that's why there's um, a predisposition in so many women to sort of deny what it is they want and what they're feeling and do for others more than they should be. Um, I think that that's something that that women do by and large, at least the ones that I talk to, I've seen myself do it, you know? Um, and yeah, so that's, that's probably a genetic. It'd be a, it'd be a point. great, yeah, it would be a great topic. Um, if you were interested, you know, like self-reflection inside of you, or, you know, maybe, um, you know, like some people that like you, some other women that, you know, I trust just to kick it around because like, I, I've been, I, there's for about a year now, like I've been mm -hmm. accumulating like men in my life where we've been talking about this. I'm like, what do you think of this concept and just laying them in it's shocking how it's almost like, oh, I can totally see how I've been doing all of this because I do feel like there's like these these things inside me I should be doing that I have no outlet for because it's just not there and mm -hmm. then we could get into a, a conversation about it because I know we got to wrap this one up and stuff so um but uh yeah it's, it's such an interesting concept in today's because again it goes back into everything that we talked about it's like if you have this these instincts inside you that aren't being nurtured well how much does that throw yourself in flux of being able to have balance in any of these other areas that we discussed today on this podcast where it's like right. now like fundamentally we are fighting with ourselves internally you know based on this like rapid progression of technological and societal advancement you know like that's really just happened in the last 50 60 years 60 years mm -hmm. you know to where we're at today with the, and like this huge thrust it's like 
where does that leave us? And like, where in when we're talking purely instincts, and you look at how many people have now wrote books about like instinctual nature, and you know, like how you know, like why men are so willing to be able to go into war, and then like why when they do, they want to go back, you know, and you know, like then you know, like you see like a lot of women in in like that same category because it's like when you when we instinctually want a connection with community that runs that deep that we are willing to be able to literally kill ourselves to be in a scenario that represents that close of a tight-knit community but we also see a reflection of that in like third world countries we see reflections of that in these smaller tribes that lived in the past where it's like yes the whole community relied on you being able to do beadwork. The whole community relied on you making an arrowhead. The whole community relied on you knowing how to be able to preserve meat. The whole community relied on you being able to like track a deer, you know, like, mm -hmm. because we, we all had to work together to that capacity to be functional and the value in that. And that's exactly the same thing that you see what happens you know, in these units in the army where people, it's like, you have a very specific job. If you don't do that very specific job to an excellent degree, lives are on the line, which would be a representation of the communities that we had in the past where like, that was just relevant. That was every day. And you look at our micro versions of that now of like why relationships between two people are in such disarray. It's like, I actually don't really need anybody in, in my life that, you know, like, if you want to get by financially to some degree, you, you always can. You know, if you want to have food to some degree, you always can. You know, like we don't need to rely on people anymore for our survival. And, you know, like it's, it's a, I think people have a lot harder time with that than what we realize and why we actually just seek out like these very, very intense connections with things that nurture our souls and like our heart and our energy, because I really feel like we're used to having a lot of those and people mm -hmm. have so few of those connections. Now, if any, that when you do come across it, it's hard not to like hyper latch on to that, you know? And again, like I think it's Sebastian Younger when he wrote in his book tribe was talking about that with military personnel. And it's just like, it's unfortunate that is a society that's like, our shining example of that, you know, of like, you know, that's how far people go to feel that really, really deep connection with other people in the community. Mm. So, but there we go. We'll end it off there. Like I said, I know that for both of us, we got to wrap this one up. And again, that uh, time just flew by like it always does. I, I just enjoy it so much. So I would love to be able to hear your perspective on um, what you think about the instincts, how we kind of ended off this podcast today, because I just think it's such a fascinating. Oh, I think that opens up a whole can of worms. Good, good. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe we'll have to schedule some extra time in for next time, but um, I just okay. really appreciate it. Bridget, you have yourself a wonderful day. You too.